You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome along to Attaboy Clarence. Wonderful of you to join me. Well, we had a meetup in London and lots of you came and it was wonderful. If you made it, thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you all. Kev from FilmGuff was there. Scott from Real Britannia was there. Dom from the BBC was there. Emily, Danny, Stephen, Conrad, Veronica, Andy, Bagwant, Gretchen, Mel, Daniel, Simon, Netal. Such a lovely evening and you came from all over the place. And guess what? I bought ice creams for everyone. So I can finally take that off the old bucket list. Thank you very much. Imagine, if you will, that you are a musician. You trained for years at a musical conservatory. Your parents told you they were very disappointed with your career choice. They had aspirations of you becoming something a little more respectable, like a doctor or a podcaster. But no, you followed your heart. You lived on pennies every week. You ate scraps. You struggled. But deep down inside, you knew that music was your life. That no matter what happened, these stirrings, these fireworks in your soul could only be explained by music. And each time you lovingly crafted a new symphony, a new lyric, you knew that you'd somehow improved the human experience, not just for yourself, but for the world. And then one day, opportunity arrives. The hand of serendipity has decreed that finally, your day has come. You have one shining chance to craft the perfect song. And by releasing it into the world, you are announcing your birth from obscurity. And you do this. Banana chock Sunday. Banana chock Sunday. We banana fruit ice. Dairy ice cream. Covered with chock and hazelnuts. What a feast on a stick. Banana chock Sunday with nuts. Well, I don't know a lot about music, but I know what I like. Top draw songwriting there from Banana Chock Sunday composer Dennis Crapper, who no doubt took his place in the Hall of Fame with that effort. Move over, Mozart. Banana Chock Sunday. Banana Chock Sunday. We banana fruit ice. Dairy ice cream. Covered with chock and hazelnuts. What a feast on a stick. Banana Chock Sunday with nuts. Why don't we kick off today's show with a most definitely inferior piece of music? This is Joe Stafford. What a day this has been. What a rare mood I'm in. Why it's almost like being in love. smile on my face for the whole 
just like being in love All the music of life seems to be Like a bell that is ringing for me I would swear I was falling I could swear I was falling It's almost like being in And that was Joe Stafford with Almost Like Being In Love. I mean, it's good, but it's no Banana Chock Sunday. Banana Chock Sunday. Banana Chock Sunday. We have banana fruit ice. Dairy ice cream. Covered with chocolate and hazelnuts. What a beast on a stick. Mmm, mmm. Banana Chock Sunday with nuts. You know, I haven't recommended any podcasts for a while, so today's the day. Currently sending my heart into cartwheels each week are the following. Anywhere But Here, starring Ant and Tom, which I've just realized my spell checker has magically transformed into and a tomato. Good job my brain can unscramble such puzzles on the fly now, isn't it? Yes, Anywhere But Here. Lovely chat every fortnight. Check them out. Real Britannia, of course, starring Scott Phipps, everyone's favorite podcasting great uncle. He's basically every cuddly television presenter from the 70s who hasn't turned out to be a sex offender. Well, not that we know of yet. God bless you, Scott. Excessively diverted with Bo and Sammy, always a great time. It's like watching a tennis match between two immortal and extremely funny bookworms. Film Guff, one of my favorites, Kev, Ali, and Nick are the sexiest trio since the Three Stooges. Same haircuts, too. Flying Machine, the monthly show from Malcolm Nygaard and Justin Vignola. Basically, you remember those Beano and Dandy annuals from years ago where they took all the best jokes and put them all into one book? Well, it's that, but as a podcast and monthly. And it's not just jokes, but it's gaming and films and music. In fact, it's not like those books at all. Off the telly with Daniel and Aureli, which rhymes, it's amazing. 
So basically, if you've been listening to the Talking Pictures TV podcast, <clears throat> the UK's number one TV and film podcast, by the way, <clears throat> you'll know that the breakout star is Daniel Reiferscheid. Well, he also hosts a podcast with his wife, Aureli, in which they dissect the British TV show one at a time and, as immigrants, try to work out why the British like it. It's very dry, it's very funny, it's very charming, and Daniel and Aureli are wonderful. And they're coming to my house for dinner in April, so maybe... We'll try and get them on this show. Rated H, the horror podcast with Smokey and Ben, longtime pals of mine, and perhaps the perfect distillation of podcasting talent. Funny, sexy, drunken horror movie chat with two men who look like living Toby jugs. That's a real compliment, by the way. Honestly, you take one look at them and all you can think is, God, I would just love to drink a beer out of your head. Russophiles Unite, hosted by Alistair Pitts, who took the phrase niche broadcasting even further than I did. Not only does Alistair talk about a specific type of movie, but he's chosen to make that type Russian. It's actually very cool to listen to. I play a drinking game, which is every time Alistair says a Russian name with more than seven syllables, I drink two fingers. I am sh**-faced within three minutes, usually. And lastly, Stars on Suspense, probably the most consistently entertaining old-time radio podcast out there. And yes, that includes my own. Jack, you wonderful, wonderful trailblazer. Love you to bits. Keep on keeping on, my friend. We've got this. You and me. Just keeping it out there. It's tough and it's exhausting. But between us and our listeners, we are making sure this art form never dies. An old-time radio fist bump to you. Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question out on the show or maybe not now here's someone with a handbell well time for another vacation into the murky waters of the question pot and the first one that comes up on the old fishing hook is from leslie australia now that's either leslie's full name or it's leslie from australia if it's your full name leslie then you sound very much like a secret agent from 1960s british tv if it's your name followed by your country of origin then you don't Anyway, Leslie's question is, I've been listening for some time and I really enjoy your podcast. Thank you, Leslie Australia. I love the song Thou Swell. Have you watched June Allison sing it in words and music? It's supposed to be a cut from A Connecticut Yankee, which was later made into a time-traveling musical A Connecticut in King Arthur's Court starring Bing Crosby. I've heard you speak about the song, but not where it comes from. Maybe I missed that. Also, I love Secret History of Hollywood. Well, thanks, Leslie Australia. No, I haven't watched Words and Music. I've watched Music and Lyrics starring Hugh Grant, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you're on about. Plus, if it was what you're on about, I'd be very disappointed in you, Leslie Australia. Thou Swell is a great tune, isn't it? You know, I actually picked it at random when I was looking for a theme song for this show, and I picked that one because it's kind of chipper, it's a bit happy, it's a bit vintage, it's a bit whimsical, I don't know. It just seemed right. <laughs> I'm so glad I did, because I'm not bored of it yet. It's a super little tune. And it's 98 shows old now, yes. Yeah, it's from A Connecticut Yankee by Rogers and Hart. Many versions of it since then. Have you heard Dorothy Ashby's flute version? It's basically the funkiest song in history. Yes, thank you, Leslie Australia, for your question. You just got yourself your very own Banana Chock Sunday. Banana Chock Sunday. Banana Chock Sunday. We've been on a fruit ice. Dairy ice cream. Covered with chocolate and hazelnuts. What a feast on a stick. Mmm, mmm. Banana chocolate sundae with nuts. 
The next question is from Frida Nagel. Now, again, that could be first name Frida, second name Nagel, or it could be a campaign slogan for a man named De Nagel who needs to be freed from prison after a miscarriage of justice. Frida Nagel. If the latter is true, then it's a remarkably strange question considering the circumstances. Frida writes, First off, I love your show. Thank you, Frida Nagel. I just watched M with the incomparable Peter Lorre. Wow. I was told that there's a Hollywood version of this. Any info would be appreciated. Well, yes, there was a Hollywood version of M, 1951, directed by Joseph Losey and starring David Wayne. And no, I haven't seen it. So I took myself off this week to track it down and find out what it's like. And oh my God, it's brilliant. It's so good that I'm reviewing it on the bonus Attaboy Clarence episode, which is out later this week. I highly recommend you search it out. So thank you, Frieda Nagel. And best of luck with your campaign. Have an Irish dictabury. And remember, if you have a question you'd like answered, go to attaboyclarence.com, scroll down the homepage until you see the question pot, write it down, screw it up, and throw it like a ping-pong ball into the gaping mouth of the question pot. And each time you do, an angel gets his wings. So throw your flipping questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinky cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end. Thank you.
there you go. Dorothy Ashby's version of Thou Swell, played at lightning speed on a flute, as all good songs should be. One of my favorite golden age stars and one who left us only recently, actually. The delightful Joan Fontaine, who seemed to be on the verge of one of those legendary careers in the early 40s and then who kind of tailed off into a series of well-meaning but ultimately forgettable roles in the 50s. I don't really care about that as she's in some of my favorite movies, Rebecca, Suspicion, A Damsel in Distress, The Women, the list goes on. And so Joan has a very special place in my heart. I'm not gonna talk about the sibling rivalry between her and Olivia de Havilland, it's been done to death. But I will shine a light on three of her films that I dug out recently, beginning with one of her lesser seen movies, 1938's Maid's Night Out, which co-stars her with Alan Lane, Hedda Hopper, and Cecil Kellaway. How would you like to mind your own business? I generally do. What's all this fuss over a mess of fish? Well, whatever it is, it's a smelly subject. You wouldn't like it. It's brain food. So the story here is of a millionaire's son, Bill Norman, who has a bet with his father. If Bill will work for 30 days at the family's dairy business without making a single mistake, then Mr. Norman will fund his son's expedition to study tropical fish. It's just your average movie setup. While working as a milkman, Bill meets and falls in love with a maid, Sheila played by Joan Fontaine, but Sheila is not what she seems. In fact, she's a rich socialite herself. Will true love prevail even though they're both very different people to the ones they think they are? What do you think? I hardly knew you without your milk bottles. Well, I suppose you're out with the butler. I resent that. I'm not a butler. I'm her fiancé. You're what? No, I see why you were so glad to get off this evening. Don't be silly. That's my cousin Adele. Your cousin? You're not even original. Joan is very young here. She's 21, as a matter of fact, and there's a real girlish charm to her acting. She was only two years away from all the dramatic roles that would win her such acclaim, so it's really nice to see her as someone so playful here. The plot is really rather slight. It's terribly hard to be invested in characters whose only problem is that... They're actually rich. And for a long time, I was starting to lose patience with it because it seemed to be going in the same old directions as every other comedy on this theme. And then the last 10 minutes burst into life. You see, Bill is in danger of losing his bet with his father. So swinging in to save the day is Sheila, who dons the old milkman's cap and has to race around town, finishing Bill's milk round for him. And all of a sudden, the film really takes off. Yes, Joan Fontaine is quite the physical comedian, and who knew? She's racing around town with the police on her tail, she's darting in and out of houses, dropping milk everywhere. She's clambering out onto the back of her milk truck while it's moving, and in one absolutely fantastic scene, she starts hurling milk bottles at the cars that are chasing them, and it's so violent and it's so physical that I actually burst out laughing while I was watching it. No mean feat for a movie that 10 minutes before had almost put me to sleep. 
And how great is it that such a plucky, funny heroine swings in to save the day? So, I almost didn't recommend Maid's Night Out to you, but the ending is so good that I heartily suggest you give it a whirl. If only to see Joan Fontaine almost murdering a street's worth of traffic, it is genius. So you'd think the big selling point of 1944's Frenchman's Creek would be Joan herself, right? Or the fact that it was pretty much Daphne de Maurier mania in Hollywood at the time, or the fact that it's shot in Technicolor. Or could the biggest draw about the film be that it's the only screen pairing outside the Sherlock Holmes film series of Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce? Well, I'll let you decide. But for a Rathbone Bruce fanatic such as myself, that's why I first paid my money to see it. And when I say paid my money, I mean did a few searches and found it on a Russian tube site. When are you going to stop this fencing? There's only one way it can end, you know. And there's no sense in making Harry think that you're angry with me. <laughs> He's too easy going to care. You never laugh, do you, except when you imply no woman can resist you. It amuses me to find that I'm invariably right. This is one time, my lord, you're mistaken. No, but I'm not. You've shown your hand to Madonna when you let Harry bring you to a place like this, to sit cheek by jowl with the ladies of the town, the only wife among them. You impudent. Take your hand away. No. Classic setup here, then. Fontaine plays the lady Donna St. Colum a noblewoman who's had enough of her husband and his lecherous friend Lord Rockingham, played with oily menace by Basil Rathbone in the most frightful wig the world has ever seen. So off Donna goes to Cornwall to her country house, which she finds has been acting as a holiday home for a French pirate, Captain Aubrey, played by Arturo de Cordova, who's Mexican. What do you think of my ship? Oh, I think she's bewitched and not a ship at all. I feel as though I'd never been alive before. And you do not feel seasick? I've never felt so well in my life. Do you know what Lady St. Colum is doing now? I should like to know. She's lying in bed with chills and fever and will allow no one in her room except William, her faithful servant. If Lady St. Colum tosses on a bed of fever, who is this woman on deck with me? A cabin boy. The most insignificant member of the crew. Would you like to sail the ship? May I? Will she not sink? <laughs> Come on. But what will happen when Lord Godolphin, played by another bewigged Nigel Bruce, finds out that there are pirates in the bay? It's literally the Pirate Bay. And what will happen when Donna begins to lose her heart to the dashing captain? And then what will happen when Basil Rathbone turns up in his wig? So it's a right old yarn you have here. It's often sold as a swashbuckler. And while there are a couple of swashes that get buckled, it's more like a simmering drama set in various rooms. Lots of people do lots of talking and emoting and confessing their feelings and either being rejected or accepted. And to be honest, it does get a little bit tiresome. It could so easily have been half an hour shorter and probably better for it. And I do not understand why they bothered to film this thing in Technicolor. In fact, I think it kind of ruins it. If this had been in gothic black and white, it would have been a much prettier film. As it is, the whole experience looks kind of crappy. It's very washed out, but it's also very day glow. Everything's pink and orange and bright blue, and then it's washed out. So imagine that particular set of pleasures, if you will. Now, the rumor is that Joan was a bit of a pain. 
on the set of this film. If the grapevine is to be believed, then apparently she became something of a diva as production went on, loudly announcing that she was somehow single-handedly responsible for all that was good with the film. Rathbone and Bruce were offended when she said one morning that it was so hard having to carry the whole movie. Now, this may well have been apocryphal because it's pretty clear that no one seems to have been having a good time on this film, and poor old Rathbone and Bruce have none of the spark that makes their Sherlock Holmes movies such a joy to revisit. The main problem with this film is that it's just a little bit dull. You can tell they had grand plans for the thing, and the book itself, which I've read, certainly is hella fun to read. It's great to have a story about a woman, especially in these times, breaking free of the mold and following her heart off on an adventure, defying the patriarchy, and even robbing them blind at points. But the longer this film goes on, the more you come to realize that sometimes you need pulp in your adventures, not just grandeur. Certainly by the end, despite the attempted spectacle, you do feel as though it was time wasted. And it really hurts to say that, considering the pedigree involved. So, Frenchman's Creek then, standing proudly in the harbour, or up Frenchman's Creek without a paddle? Somewhere in between, I think. Half sunk in a paddling pool. So it would be completely remiss of me not to talk about the film for which Joan won the Academy Award for Best Actress, Alfred Hitchcock's Suspicion, of course, although let's face it, she really should have won it for Rebecca. But anyway, the ledger will always show her as the year's Best Actress for Suspicion, and therefore, in terms of Joan Fontaine's personal history, it is perhaps her most significant film. Suspicion is one of the first Hitchcock films I ever saw, and I love it. In case you haven't seen it, it tells the tale of a very carefully brought-up young lady, Lena McLaidlaw, played by Joan Fontaine, who falls in love with suave society rascal and part-time bad boy, Johnny Aysgarth, played by Cary Grant. What's her name? Do you know her? Yes, but lay off, Johnny. You've enough on your hands for one day. Besides, she's not up your alley. To tell you the truth, I'm a little bored with people in my alley. Introduce me to her, will you? Certainly not. She's a very carefully brought-up young lady. Lena's family are desperately unhappy with Lena's choice in men, but Lena is determined to follow her heart and hopefully reform the wayward Johnny into someone her family can be proud of. But Johnny seems determined to thwart Lena's makeover plans, sticking to the roguish lifestyle to which he's accustomed. So Johnny's settled down to the simple rural life, and it seems to agree with him. Abandoned all his vices, has he? Vices? What vices, Mrs. Newsham? Oh, such as betting at the races, for instance. There is no time for that. He's much too busy with his job. Is he? Then he must have taken an afternoon off last Tuesday. He was at the Merchester races. Was it? How interesting. Good afternoon. Goodbye. Yes, Johnny doesn't seem to be able to shake off his gambling addictions, even to the point of committing a crime in order to cover them up. Captain Melbeck, I, I don't want to impose upon you, but uh, you're Johnny's cousin as well as his employer, and I wanted to talk to you about him. I'm terribly worried. Well, yes, I can understand that. But on the other hand, I told him I wouldn't prosecute. Of course... Uh, I don't understand. I told him I wouldn't prosecute. What on earth are you talking about? How does he get away with it? What reason did he give you when I discharged him? When did you discharge him? Six weeks ago. 
To compound matters, Lena's imagination seems to be running away with her. Is Johnny planning a terrifying crime in order to save himself from prison? Or are the macabre thoughts she's having about her new husband all in her mind? That's a long one. I don't have any, I don't there's no such word. By the hour. I don't want to go up there in the morning. Besides, it'll be nasty and cold and, and wet. Now, Biggie. Oh, well, if we got to go, what time do we have to start? Now, if I had an ER, I could make that murderer. The earlier, the better. I'd say about seven o'clock. There won't be so much traffic on the road. Seven o'clock, I say. That's a, that's a bit pig's tail. Pig's tail? Yeah, too early. Too early. Get it? Never hear that one, Alvin? Pig's tail. <laughs> The first thing to note about this film is that it's based on a book called Before the Fact by Francis Isles, which was a pseudonym for Anthony Berkeley Cox. Now, I watched the film first, and then I went away and read the book many years ago, and I was shocked at how different the book was. Now, I can't go into how it's different, otherwise you'll know how the film ends, but let's just say that if you're expecting the book on screen, then you will be disappointed, because about a third of the way through the book's story, it veers off in totally a different direction. Now, over the years, many people have expressed the view that this was a terrible thing, that the film should have stuck to the story of the book. I have to say that I kind of disagree. I do think the final five minutes of this film are horribly jarring and very rushed, but I don't think that the eventual reveal is disappointing. I think it works just fine. I just think it's a rare misfire from the usually meticulous Hitchcock in terms of filmmaking, and if you've seen this, then you may agree. We go from a moment of high suspense to end credits within about 30 seconds, which does knock an instant 10% off your enjoyment. But that leaves 90% of a great movie, and it really is a great movie. First of all, the performances are wonderful. Joan Fontaine is superb as the girl with the gradually crumbling imagination. And you really do get inside her thoughts too, and her collapse into paranoia is completely believable thanks to some wonderful Hitchcockian touches. Cary Grant is perfect as Johnny. He plays the whole thing in total ambiguity. You never for one minute firmly believe that he's either a hero or a villain. He remains completely on the line between for the whole film. It's a marvellous performance. And supporting them, my goodness, you have Nigel Bruce as Beaky, Johnny's best friend, and who, even though he turns up halfway through the film, has you rooting for him within minutes. You have Cedric Hardwick and Mae Whitty as Lena's parents, who are really only in the first act, but who both resonate throughout. The whole film really is a two-hander between Fontaine and Grant, and it's to their credits and to Hitchcock's that even a simple thing like a conversation in the garden can be turned into a genuinely doubtful moment of tension. I think my favorite thing about Suspicion, though, and the element that has kept me returning to the movie year after year is the production design. My goodness, this is such a beautiful film to look at. If you ever needed a pristine example of the archetypal Hollywood Golden Age representation of merry old England, it's here. It's picket fences and village shops and perfectly sculpted gardens and tea on the patio. It's so gorgeous to look at. And yes, it might fall flat in the last few moments, and it might not ring true, but it is a very, very minor fault in an otherwise immaculate Hollywood thriller. Plus, it contains some truly wonderful moments. Firstly, the very cunning scene where the policemen turn up to question Lena. Watch for the moments when one of the detectives stares at the painting on the wall. It'll throw you completely off kilter. 
And perhaps my favourite moment, when Lena imagines her husband pushing Beaky off a cliff. Watch the special effect where Nigel Bruce has to pretend he's falling. And remember when you do that the way they achieved that was to have Nigel Bruce standing above a fan, his arms in the air and hollering at nothing. It always makes me laugh out loud. 1941's Suspicion then, a gloriously overwrought, highly tense study of a marriage gone wrong, with some excellent Hitchcockian brush strokes. Definitely check it out. Well, despite the film being something of a dud, the Lux Radio Theatre's version of Frenchman's Creek is very good indeed, and has the good sense to pair Joan Fontaine up with the marvellous David Niven as the French pirate, so we'll of course sail on over to that beauty right now. See you afterwards. <laughs> The Radio Theater, starring Joan Fontaine and David Niven in Frenchman's Creek. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Reading from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Glancing through the almanac, I find that February 10th calls for a carnival in honor of the pirate Gasparillo one of our better-known buccaneers who plundered the shores of the Atlantic in a pursuit that has always fired our imagination and given us many of our most exciting legends. Tonight, in that tradition, we present a colorful saga of piracy and romance in Paramount Pictures' thrilling drama, Frenchman's Creek. And our stars are Joan Fontaine in her original screen role and that popular Scottish actor, David Niven, our story takes us back to 17th century England, a period as colorful as the rich and dazzling costumes of its men and women. It's time for our play, and here's Act One of Frenchman's Creek, starring Joan Fontaine as Lady Donna and David Niven as the Frenchman. London, 1668. Lord Harrison Cullum has just come home after a night at the gaming tables. Mounting the broad staircase, he stops suddenly. For facing him is his wife, dressed for traveling. Donna, what the devil is this? I'm leaving London, Harry, with the children. Oh, really, my dear, this is ridiculous. Is it? When you left the gaming tables tonight and rushed home, why, everybody you thought... You promised me Lord Rockingham would not be there. Lord Donna Rockingham's my closest friend. I will not endure his familiarity any longer. Fiddle-dee-dee. Rock doesn't mean a thing. Good heavens, Donna, he's not serious. He's very serious as far as I'm concerned, and I will not put up with it any longer. So you're leaving. And where do you think you'll go? I'm going to Navarin. Navarin? Well, we haven't been there for years. It's damp, moldy, full of ghosts. Yes, it is full of ghosts, Harry. Ghosts of a happiness that's lost. I'm going to try to get it back. I've done with this stupid life we lead here and the company you choose to keep. Well, do you think I'm going to come chasing down to Cornwall after you? You're wrong. Should you wish to kiss the children goodbye, you'll find them waiting with their nurse in the coach. Turn up. Welcome to Navarin House, my lady. Thank you. When you met me at the gates, you told me your name is William. But just who are you? Why, I am your steward, my lady. What happened to Barclay? He was an old man, my lady. It's two years since he's gone to his reward. Well, I can't say I'm overly happy with your stewardship, William. This place smells like a tomb. 
There's dust everywhere. I was not aware of your coming, madam. I've been alone here for many months. Well, then hire servants immediately. You will see that everything takes place as though the mistress of Navarin House has never been away. My children, their nurse and I, plan to remain indefinitely. It will be a pleasure, my lady. Where are the children? In the garden with their nurse, madam, while you've been going through the house. William, I noticed two strange things in my rooms upstairs. Strange? Yes. One is a portrait on the wall of a young girl. My lady, that is your own portrait. Yes. Think that I once looked like that. My lady, you still do. I said two strange things. This is the other. This jar of tobacco. What was it doing in my room? A jar of tobacco? It's yours, isn't it? I, I, I don't use tobacco, my lady. But if you've been here alone and... Never mind. We'll forget about it. William, as we drew closer to Navarin on our journey, I heard strange talk of this place. Talk of ghosts. Ghosts? <laughs> Few days here, my lady, and you'll learn it's gossip for sure. No ghosts. But there is a strange feeling about it. And if... Did you say something, m'lady? No, William. Nothing. Come in, William. Good morning, m'lady. Did you rest well? Very well. No ghosts? Well, if there were, they were most considerately quiet. William, the children and I have decided to have a picnic today. I felt confident you would, m'lady. I preferred a suitable luncheon basket. Oh, thank you. We'll be in the wood near the chapel. Yes, m'lady. Oh, uh, there's a visitor waiting downstairs. Visitor? Yes, your neighbor, m'lady, Lord Godolphin. Will you see him? Mm, I'm afraid I'll have to. Tell the children I won't be long. And I came over as soon as I heard you were at Navarin. Pay my respects. Oh, I'm enchanted to see you, Lord Godolphin. Harry's not with you. No, I'm here alone with the children. Pity. Great pity. We need Harry's help. You've heard of our troubles here, of course. Well, I've heard nothing. Oh, really? Too remote down here, I suppose. Madam, we've been vexed by pirates at our wit's end. Why, only a week ago, Lord Eustace's home was sacked. How distressing. Distressing? It's an outrage. We complain to London, and what do we get? A few soldiers. No good at all. The squires must band together and deal with this thing themselves. Well, if there's anything I can do to help... Nothing, dear lady, except ask Harry to come down and help us fight this Frenchman. Frenchman? Yes. The French have made a habit of coming over to Cornwall ever, ever since... Ever since our the... own Cornish pirates have gone over the realize how serious this matter is. We're being robbed right and left. Our women folk in terror of their lives. Why? Why? <laughs> well, really, madam, I... Uh, well, I, I think I must be getting home. I'm sorry, my lord. Forgive me. I shall write to Harry at once. Uh, thank you, dear lady. Good day. William. My lady. I came to Navarin to be alone, William. I understand. No more visitors. You shall make good your uh, escape. Escape? You have an uncanny intuition, William. Where did you get it? My late master. Much of my philosophy is borrowed from him. Why did you leave him? His life is such at the moment that my services would be of little use to him. He, uh, he travels. Then he's a fugitive, too. People who travel usually are. His life, if I may say so, is one continual escape. I uh, think you and my master would have much in common, Lady St. Colum. Shall I call the children now? Please, and Miss Prynne. The nurse will picnic with us. Look at them, madam. Both little ones fast asleep. <laughs> They've played so hard, Prynne. Poor little things. 
The first real picnic they've ever known. Be time to go home soon. Shall I wake them? No, let them sleep. I think I'll go for a walk, Prim. On our way here, I thought I saw a creek. I never knew there was a creek on our estate. I should like to see it. You'll be careful, madam, please. Oh, don't worry, Prim. I won't be long. Why, it is. It is a creek. Yes, madam. Who are you? I cannot answer that, madame. Take your hands off me. Let me go. Be quiet. Help! Help! Scream now all you wish to, madame. If you ask me, all women should be gagged. Come now. The captain does not like to be kept waiting. I found her at the creek, captain. Since she seemed so anxious to discover us, I thought I'd bring her aboard ship. You may leave us alone now, Edmund. Well, madame... The gag has been removed. Nothing to say? Then I shall talk. It seems you have been spying on this ship. I didn't even know this ship existed. On the contrary, it seems your men have been trespassing on my land. My humble apologies. You see, madame, it is my habit to bring our ship into this creek. It is a heaven-sent hiding place, well hid by the wood, yet deep enough for us to anchor in complete safety. What I had not expected was that the lady of the manor would visit me. Was it by your orders that I was seized? Have you been injured? No. And what are you complaining about? Just what do you propose to do with me? Why, nothing. Do you mind if I smoke? <laughs> Would it matter if I did? Wait a minute. That's tobacco. A really excellent tobacco, madame. You will notice... It was that... you. It was I what? The tobacco. It's the same tobacco that was in the jar in my bedroom. Oh, how careless of William not to have removed it. So you are the reason why William is at Natherings. You are why all the servants have been sent away. While I've been in London, you've used my home. Slept in my room. Somehow, I was sure you wouldn't mind. You see, I consulted your portrait on the wall. My lady, I said very humbly, would you grant a weary Frenchman the courtesy of your room? Well? You bowed gracefully and gave me the freedom of the entire house. Is that all you have to say? At the moment, yes. When may I leave? Of course. <laughs> Thank you. My children will be wondering what's happened to me. <laughs> These men on deck, they're, they're pirates. Let us simply say that they follow where I lead. Just like the seagulls flying up there. Always when I come here to this creek, the gulls flock in. Perhaps they, too, have a feeling for this ship. That's why I have named her La Mouette. La Mouette, the seagull. Edmund will see you safely back where he found you. Edmund? Oh, it won't be necessary. Please. And as a further courtesy, I must return your call. Oh? Uh, what is the correct hour? In the afternoon, I believe, and you offer me a dish of tea? <laughs> oh, no. A pirate comes by night, monsieur, knocking upon a window and the lady of the manor... Therefore, for his safety, gives him supper by candlelight. As you will, madame. I'll come by night. You do no such thing. We shall see, ladies and column. We shall see. William, I thought I told the servants to go to bed. They are in bed, milady. I will watch for him. So you know. You know he's coming here. Yes. How did you know? Milady, would you return from the picnic this afternoon? There was a something about your eyes, so alive. I said to myself, well, who it has happened? They have met at last. Why, at last? Because, milady, I am a fatalist by nature. And I've always known that sooner or later the meeting was bound to come about. You think he really will come here tonight? Oh, he will be here. Oh, but it's, it's wrong, William. I'm, I'm acting against the interests of my country. I, I could be imprisoned for it. Yes, milady. William... Do you approve of your master's profession? Let us say I do not disapprove. 
My master robs only people who can afford to be robbed, and most of what he takes he gives away. Well, I gather he's not married. No, my lady. Piracy and marriage do not go together. Oh, if I were a man, I too would find a ship and be a law unto myself. I'd be... Oh, good gracious, William. Have we anything fit for him to eat? Rest your mind, dear lady. When I went to the village to hire servants, I took the liberty of filling a basket. You anticipated all this? I, uh, had premonitions, my lady. Oh. The supper will be much to his fancy. Oh, you're incorrigible. Light all the candles, William. Bring out all the silver. Tonight we must do full justice to Navarin. Yes, my lady. <laughs> Was the supper satisfactory, monsieur? It was so completely perfect, madame, that I do not understand. No, it was all William's doing. He, he prepared everything. I don't believe you. William never set such a table for me before, did you, William? No, sir. A cold chop, perhaps, on a chip plate? Yes, sir. What brought you to Navarin? Oh, perhaps I was tired of being Lady St. Colum. Why? Well, why are you a pirate? Why did you venture alone to the creek this morning? Because of the uncertainty, because I... I wasn't sure what might happen. That's why I'm a pirate. Oh, yes, but it's... No buts. It's very simple. Piracy suits me. I come and I go as I please. Couldn't you do as you please in any case? Nope. Anyone who lives a normal life in this world of ours becomes a cog in a wheel, a unit in a machine. And to me, that is intolerable. So I escape from such a world. And the idea that piracy is wrong, that doesn't bother you? Not in the least. Well, even such a freedom, doesn't that become a bore sometimes? On the contrary. Piracy has constant problems which interest me profoundly. A successful pirate is much like a mathematician, a poet of precision. Yes, madame, I find it all very absorbing. Someday they will hang you. Perhaps. Do you mind my asking you these questions? Not at all. Let me anticipate one. What do we do when we stay at anchor in your creek? We come ashore, gather information. So that more Cornishmen may be robbed and more Cornish women go in fear of their lives or so. Lord Godolphin tells me. The Cornish women flatter themselves. That's what I wanted to tell his lordship. Why didn't you? Oh, because I hadn't the heart to shock him. But perhaps I shall on Friday afternoon. Oh? There was a message awaiting me when I returned home this afternoon. Lord and Lady Godolphin are arranging a gathering in my honor to renew acquaintances with my... What are you doing? This? Oh, I'm making a sketch of your face. Do you mind? Not at all. You, um... You are here without your husband, madame? Why? Because I choose to come without him. And why did you marry him in the first place? Because he once was a different man than he is now. Everything was different. So now you try to escape? William told me you'd say that. Then why don't you escape? Haven't I? I doubt it. Here. Here is the sketch. Do you like it? No. No, I don't like it at all. Well, it's true. I've caught you unaware, but I... I've sketched only what I have seen. But I'm not like that. I have drawn disillusionment. Indifference, willfulness. A very different person from the lady of the portrait with whom I fell in love. Fell in love? Yes. But the strange, enchanting person who looked down at me from the wall of your bedroom. Lady St. Colum is not that person. I prefer Lady St. Colum. So I tear up my sketch because I prefer the lady of the portrait. I've said to myself, she and no other. Can you hear the wind out there? Are you sure that's just the wind? Quite sure. When it blows from the east like that, my ship is weather-bound and I'm idle. But there are birds to watch and fish to catch and streams to be explored. All these are methods of escape, madame. Birds to watch. Fish to catch. Do you suggest that is a way to make me happy? Complete happiness is a rare thing. I do not believe it can ever be fully experienced alone. But sometimes it does happen that a man finds a woman who is the answer to all his searching dreams 
And the two have understanding of each other from the lightest moment to the darkest mood. Go on. That's all I had to say, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for my supper. And, oh, uh, my respects to Lord Godolphin and all your old neighbors when you see them on Friday. Good night, madame. Dear, what a pity you must go home so soon. You've enchanted us all. Go home? Who's going home? Well, I must, my lord. I shall write Harry and tell him how kind you've all been. But you can't leave now. Penrose wants to talk to you. Lord Eustick, too. Ladies and column, forgive a sober note, but are you acquainted with the creek that runs through your estate? Vaguely, Lord Eustick. We have no wish to alarm you, but a French pirate has been using the creek. Pirate? I must warn you, he's a type who'd have little respect for your person. And his men are, are desperate and savage? They are pirates, madam. Oh, then I shall take every possible care of my household. Are they, do you think, cannibals too? I have two little children. Oh, now. no. Hey, calm oh, yourself, my dear. Calm yourself. Perhaps the Frenchman has left our coast. I wish we could think so. No. We shall hear from him again. But it will be for the last time. It will be, Lord Yes, Eustace? yes, madam. It will be my very great pleasure to hang him from the tallest gibbet in Cornwall. Sir, you're very bloodthirsty. And so would you be, madam, if you'd been robbed of all your possessions. Oh, but think of what joy you will have replacing I fear I consider the matter in a very different light. Take care, Lady Donna, and if you see this villain, fly to us at once. Oh, I shall, Lord Godolphin, at once. Did you have an enjoyable afternoon, lady? Oh, quite as dull as I'd anticipated, William. It's just four o'clock. You won't be late. If they only knew back there that you left them to meet this villain of a Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll stop here, lady. That path there off the road leads down to the creek. He will be waiting for you. What story will you tell them at Navarin? That your ladyship is staying to dine at Lord Godolphin's. Do you think me mad, William? Not entirely sane, my lady. <laughs> it's a lovely feeling, William. So I have always understood. I shall be in the avenue near Navarin at ten o'clock. At which time I shall drive you to the house as though you were just returning from Lord Godolphin's. Why are you smiling? I was not aware that my features were relaxed, my lady. You are a liar, William. Yes, my lady. The avenue near Navarin House at ten o'clock. <laughs> very quiet. What are you thinking? Oh, what we've done these past hours. Watch birds, caught fish, explored streams. And now, ladies and column sits on the deck of a pirate ship, listens to a pirate singing and looks out into the evening. Do you really think that the disillusioned, indifferent, willful ladies and column has changed? If there ever was such a woman, she exists no longer. Soon it will be time for you to go ashore. And so, I must tell you. Tell me what? At Lord Godolphin's home this afternoon, he and his friends were gloating over the possibility of your capture. No, they do not worry me. You should be worried. Oh, Godolphin's a dunderhead, but he's persistent, and Eustick has a mean and obstinate look about him. They hope to hang you. After all, something of a compliment. Oh, now you're laughing at me. What do you want me to do? Well, I, I want you to be careful. Yes, yes, I've been idle too long. I've allowed this little creek to take hold of me. But now Godolphin and his friends shall have a run for their money. Another raid? Yes. It, it would be wiser to, to go back to Brittany. Far wiser. It's too bad you're not a boy, Donna. You could sail with me. Well, why do I have to be a boy to do that? No, no, you're too delicate for a pirate oh, ship. Oh, please. No, please, let me go just once. You'd be cold and no, no, I wouldn't. You'd be frightened to death. No. You'd be seasick. Seasick? How much will you wager I'll be seasick? What will you have by offer you to win? Oh, my, my earrings. You may have my ruby earrings. What if you win? What would you demand of me? Of you? Yes. 
a lock of hair from Godolphin's wig. You shall have the wig itself. Oh, then you're not joking. You will take me with you on your next race. I could refuse you nothing. I wonder how I shall feel about it then if this incredible feeling I have now will, will be gone like a dream. What feeling? You ask that? Well, I've come willingly, willingly aboard this ship. Yet I'm imbecile enough to tell you but now it's time for you to return to Navlin House. Then it was just idle talk. You're taking me on the raid. When the plans are made, William will let you know. Good night, Donna. Good night, Frenchman. Act two of Frenchman's Creek, starring Joan Fontaine and David Niven, will continue in a moment. From the roof of the executive mansion, Dolly Madison, the president's lady, watched with horror as the Washington countryside was set ablaze by oncoming British troops. At first, Dolly refused to leave the White House until her husband returned, but finally fled when flames came within yards of her doorway. However, she took with her irreplaceable state documents, portraits, and silver that otherwise would have perished in the Holocaust. Another page in the White House story. Here's Mr. Keeley at the microphone. We continue with Act Two of Frenchman's Creek, starring Joan Fontaine as Donna and David Niven as the Frenchman. Eager and excited... Donna has waited two days for word from the Frenchman. Now, in the dark hours of early morning, William rouses her, for the raiders are ready to depart. But Lady St. Collins suddenly discovers that she is not. What am I doing, William? Going on a pirate ship and, and the children? What of the children? I will take care of them, my lady. Have no fear. But how will you explain my absence to the household? Your ladyship is indisposed, a trifle feverish. And for the fear of infection, no one is to come into your room. You're a born deceiver, William. Tell me, what time will we come back from the creek after the raid? My master will wait till darkness so as not to be seen. Oh, no, I can't go. I can't. Lady. Oh, but it's too fantastic. I've been married eight years, William. I'm a mother of two children. I shall be 30 years old next month. Three excellent reasons why you shall go. Oh, it's not the slightest use using common sense with you, is there? No, milady. So let me suggest we're wasting precious time. The seagull is waiting for a new cabin boy. I'm, I'm ready, William. Donna, are you awake, Donna? Where are we? What's happened? <laughs> We're at sea, madame, and you're in my cabin, where you've been sleeping these past four hours. Oh, never have I seen such a seasick human being. Very well, you shall have my ruby earrings, but I'm fine now. And, and the raid, when, when will the raid take place? What a pirate you are. The raid occurred hours past. You slept through it all. Oh, no. Yeah, a present for you. Lord Godolphin's wig. Oh, you've got it. Together with most of his possessions. Oh, they chased us out to sea for a while, but the wind was all with us. Oh, you do have the devil's own luck, don't you, Frenchman? Always. Just as you have the heart of a perfect cabin boy. Thank you. But not the stomach. Oh, well, I, I was too excited. Next time I shall be much calmer and not get sick. Next time? How, how long will we, we be at sea? Why, do you want to go home? No, I was just wondering... Um, what are we going to do now? Wait for evening. Till then, we can do as we please. I'm hungry, Frenchman. Must you starve me? Hurry then. Meet me aft, and you shall feast from Lord Godolphin's choicest plate.
We're coming closer to land, aren't we? I can hear the surf. Praise heaven for this good dark night. This could be forever if we wished. Tomorrow and the next day. Say that you do wish it, Donna. Sail with me now and never return to Navrin. Never return? Yes. But only knowing well what it is that you do. Donna, what I have to offer will never compensate for what you will give up. Women will wander for a while and play at adventure. But in the end, instinct is too strong for them. They must make their nests. Then I would sail alone and you would hate me. What is the answer then for us? Come with me and we will find it together. But I, I'm, I'm planned. No, no plans. Just come back. Come back to the creek in the morning and we'll take the little boat and drift down the waters. And so another day and another and another. No past, no future. Only the present. Donna, only the present. My lady. I'm here, William. Thank heaven you waited for me before coming to the house. William, what's wrong? Not the children. No, the children are fine. But late this afternoon, my lady, we had unexpected callers. Callers? Yes. Your husband and Lord Rockingham have come to Navarin House. William, what have you told them? That you've been ill. You were getting your first sleep in days, and under no conditions could you be disturbed. Till now, that seems to have satisfied your husband. And now? Now I must get you home and up the stairs unseen. As I can readily do. I suggest you change your attire and come down the stairs feeling quite recovered. Come, my lady, all will be all right. Donna, my dear. Harry, what a surprise. Well, you don't look ill. You are feeling better. I'm very much better, thank you, Harry. Well, I expected to find you a death door. Well, that fellow William wouldn't even let me see you. What kind of a servant is he, anyway? The best servant I ever had. Well, as long as he pleases you. Uh, Rockingham's here, Donna. I refuse to see him. Oh, please, Donna, not so loud. He's just outside. You used to send him word about that French pirate. We'll be catching the fellow now, and we're both here to lend a hand. I see. Not a second too soon, either. Why, that French dog stripped Godolphin's estate clean as a bone this very day. Well, oh, Rock, see who's here. Well, it is you, my lady. My lord. Ah, so you've had a fever, Donna. Why, you don't appear very happy to see me. Why should I? Because we propose to catch the pirate who seems to be causing you all so much trouble. They say he even visits our creek here. Well, he must do it at night, then, when I'm asleep. Yes, possibly he does. How really ideal the creek would be for a pirate. I almost wish I were the fellow myself, Harry. Knowing the house to be without protection. And the lady of the manor so lovely in the flush of her fever. But you're not a pirate, my lord Rockingham. You're merely an unscrupulous person whom I continue to detest. <laughs> Donna, please... Oh, by the way, my dear, we're receiving the gentleman tonight for supper. What gentleman? Well, Rashley, Eustace Penrose, half a dozen others. Godolphin, if he can get away. If Lord Godolphin can get away? Well, surely you knew his wife was anticipating an heir. Oh, of course. Uh, please excuse me now, I must see to the children, and then, since we'll be entertaining, there are instructions to give William. Caution, dear Donna. Remember, you've been ill. And they'll all be here tonight, William, making plans for the Frenchman's capture. But it will be too late. The seagull will have sailed. No, my lady. She will not have sailed. William. She's grounded in the creek, my lady, with a leak below the water line. Even if they can repair her, they dare not leave till darkness. The tide is not full till after midnight. Then warn your master, William, without fail. It will not be easy, madam. For some reason, Lord Rockingham watches me like a hawk. But warn him I shall. Can you... Our guests will be arriving during the afternoon. It will be my pleasure to keep them absorbed. 
At least until after midnight. Thank you, milady. Quiet, gentlemen. Please, your attention. Another toast, Lord Godolphin. I would prefer it so indeed, dear lady. Your wine is excellent. But if you ask me, I think we've had enough wine. Nonsense, your glass, my lord. Tell me, are you sure that you should have left your dear wife tonight? Brave girl, she insisted that I come. Oh, when I lay hands upon that Frenchman, raiding my home with my wife in her condition. <laughs> yes, gentlemen, it's high time we get down to business. But the evening's early yet. Dolphin's right, Harry. We're trapping a pirate tonight. I'd still like to know how, gentlemen. Rockingham's plan is sure to get it. We've men posted on the beaches. We've boats in readiness. And the Frenchman's ship is hiding in the creek. So tonight, as she comes out on the tide, we'll be on hand to seize her. But if he's not hiding in the creek... Oh, oh, oh he's there, all right. He's there. What was that? Oh, someone at the door. Someone left for supper. Well, let's open up some more wine. But who would it be? We're all here. We expect no one else. Well, someone open the door. William. William, where is that impudent fellow? William. William seems to have disappeared. All right. Anyone. Dickon, open the door. Jeffrey. Evans. Your servants seem to have all disappeared. Well, one of you. Where are you? I don't understand. What orders did you give your servants? Send them off to bed? Mm, fellas must be in the kitchen. Give them another call, Rock, while I go to the door. It's ridiculous. Please. Don't waste your time, St. Colin. Who the devil are you? It's the pirate. It's the Frenchman. Since no one would answer the door, I made the boldest to open it myself. Well, see them. What are we waiting for? Before you try that, look around, all of you. Well, yes, what is all this? My collaborators suddenly stand before you at every doorway, every window, even on the balcony. Pray resume your chairs, gentlemen. William. Forgive me, Sir Harry. I have been a most negligent steward. How true it is that no man can serve two masters. As for your other servants, Sir Harry, they are tied up in the pantry. Gentlemen, I will not keep you long. As for her ladyship, she may go if she pleases. But first, I must have the rubies she is wearing in her ears. How are you? Thank you. You see, I've made a wager about them with my cabin boy. Is that all? If the ladies in column would uh, spare me her pendant also, I would have little more excuse for piracy. How can I refuse? Here. Merci, madame. I, uh, I trust you have recovered from your fever. I thought so, Frenchman, but your presence here will undoubtedly bring it on again. My cabin boy, too, suffers from fever, but the sea air does wonders for him. You ought to try it. William, relieve the gentlemen of their weapons and purses. You will pay for this, you blasted scum. Possibly. In the meantime, it is you who are paying. Come, gentlemen, disgorge, disgorge. Just fall the confounded cheek. I'm returning at once to the ship, gentlemen. I do not want you too close upon my heels. Your soldiers in the wood are inconvenience enough. Therefore, I must ask you to allow my men to escort you upstairs and uh, lock you in. Edmund, Paul... Yes, no, my thunder, no! You've made game of us long enough! I'm sorry, I must insist. Ladies and column, would you be good enough to go into the salon? Why, you? You? Au revoir, monsieur. Her ladyship and I will now discuss the affairs of the day. Why are you so reckless? Why did you come here? Because I've not seen you for so many hours. The gentlemen are being cared for, monsieur. Thank you, William. When our crew departs, you go to the cottage of your friend, the Tregarth Cottage. Remain there awaiting her ladyship's orders until all danger is past. I understand, monsieur. And you? This morning, when William brought me the news that you were alone here no longer, I realized that our make-believe was over and that the creek was our haven no more. My ship must sail, Donna. And although she will be free, I will remain a captive. I am bound to you as you are bound to me. All that you feel, I feel. Every thought, every wish. But it's too late. There's nothing we can do. You told me so yourself last night. Yes. 
when we were together, and the morning was many hours away. I love you, Donna. What is the answer? Always there must be an answer. Oh, you're right, of course. The answer is still the same. You are Donna and Cullum, the wife of an English baronet, mother of two children, and I... I am an outlaw. If there is an answer, Donna, you must make it, not I. I will be off the beach at Coverack at sunrise. If you are there, I shall find you. Wait! The pendant I took from you. I'm leaving it here. Make your choice, Donna. Who's there? Who is it? Just an eavesdropper, Lady Donna. Rockingham. I see that your jewels have been returned. What did you give for them, may I ask? You're very serious, Rockingham. I should have thought this evening's jest would have amused you. Oh, you're right. It has amused me. And when I found that the jesters had bungled my ropes and I was able to squirm loose and get through the window, I was prodigiously amused. You might have freed Harry and the others. Oh, but I have. They slipped out very quietly through the window on the heels of the pirate jesters. That, too, I find amusing. Why didn't you join them? Because there's one thing that does not amuse me. The Donison column should look at the leader of the jesters in the way that she did. In a way that could mean only one thing, that she loves him. And so? And so I have come to understand much that has puzzled me since I've arrived. That servant of yours, those walks in the woods that I'm told you so often take. That elusive look in your eyes that I've never seen before. Yes, elusive to me, to Harry, to all but one man. And I've seen that one man tonight. Well, do you deny it? To you, I deny nothing. You know, of course, that you could be hanged for this should the truth come out. How would you like Newgate, my dear Donna? The stench, the heat, the filth, and that last rope around your beautiful neck. All this, my dear Rockingham, because you imagine I smiled at a pirate who asked for my jewels? You lie. You smiled at a pirate, but not because he asked for your jewels. Very well, then. Tell your story to Godolphin. Do you stick to Harry even? They will say that you are mad. Possibly. With your Frenchman on the high seas and you in Neverin House. But suppose they're catching this Frenchman at the very moment, huh? Suppose we play with them a little as they used to play with pirates with you looking on. Oh, I think you'd give yourself away. It amuses you to be dramatic. But the days of the rack and the thumbscrew are over. Ah, but pirates still are hanged, my dear. Drawn and quartered. And with them, their accomplices. Well, then get the gentlemen. Get the soldiers. And you can hang us both side by side from the same tree. Yes, you'd suffer that, wouldn't you? And be glad. Because at last you've had the love you've wanted all your life. Isn't that true? Yes, it is true. I could kill you for saying that. If you hadn't left London and come down here, it would have been me instead of him. No, never. How did he hold you in his arms? Like this? How did he kiss you, Donna? Like this? Let me go. Did he... You're, you're out of your mind. You're, you're drunk. You're rocking him. Please. Please. I, I am out of my mind. Because I want you more than I've wanted anything in this... Put that knife down, Donna. Put it down. Touch me again and I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Put down that knife. Get away. Get... Rock. Are you here, Rock? Come on, fire. We've Rock. She's dead. She's dead. Donna, what happened? She's dead. The Frenchman. He must have come back here and killed him. But you were here, too. He, he gave me back my jewels, and then he left. He must have come back. He'll pay for this, I promise you. We've got him at last. What are you saying? The Frenchman. His ship's gone and the rest of the crew, but we've got him. Is he hurt? He'll hang without a scratch on him. He'll know what it feels like. Where are they taking him? Godolphin has him in his keep. He'll hang in the morning at daybreak. 
Daybreak. If they don't burn him alive when they've found out he killed Rock. No, Harry. I killed Rock. Tano. I killed him. I had to. You're just no. I warned you to keep him away from me. When he found he couldn't have me, he, he hated me. He wanted to kill me, and he took hold of me. He... Rock. Oh, Donna, forgive me, darling. No, it's too late, Harry. Donna, I beg you, it's been my fault. Donna. I'm going to my room, Harry. And then I'm leaving. But the children. You can't leave the children, too. The children. Whatever it is I decide to do, you'll know by morning. taking a walk, but his prime object is to accomplish a drop. He is an espionage agent, and somewhere along the way he will deposit money or valuable information. Soon afterwards, another agent or informant will walk to the same spot and pick it up. The drop is routine. Getting the information is more difficult, but the agent's job is made easy when security regulations are ignored. The outcome of wars and the course of world history has changed because people who should have known better were careless. Back to your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Our curtain rises on Act Three of Frenchman's Creek, starring Joan Fontaine as Donna and David Niven as the Frenchman. It's long past midnight now. For an hour, Donna has sat motionless in the darkness of her room. Then suddenly, she slips away from Navarin House. First, there is a call to make on William at the Trigger Cottage. My lady... What are you doing here? How did you get to me? Your husband? As far as he knows, I'm still in my room. William, he's been captured. Your master. Yes, my lady. We have much time. They plan to hang him at daybreak. Tregarth has told me. There must be a way. Some way to help him. I, I came here to tell you that I'm going to see Lord Godolphin. At this hour? Well, his wife is expecting a child. He will still be up. Somehow, Godolphin must take me to his jailhouse, which shouldn't prove difficult. His lordship's a fool. And then, my lady? And then I don't know. Best wait for me here, William. Your master... We'll have need of you before long. How good of you to come, Lady Donna. But I assure you there's no need to be concerned for my wife. I'm quite calm myself, as you can see. The doctor is here, Lord Godolphin. Uh, Dr. Williams, yes. Sent for him an hour ago. Oh, I'm so relieved. I came in hopes there'd be something I could do. Oh, nothing at all, dear lady. Nothing at all. You're quite overwrought, my lord. I, I wish I could distract you. Oh, oh, uh... On my way here, I, I passed your jailhouse. Uh, is that is where the uh, Frenchman is imprisoned? The high stout bars, madam, with two jailers in attendance. It was I, you know, who helped this arm the scoundrel. Oh, how courageous of you. It will make a great stir at court, Lord Godolphin. Oh, you flatter me, Lady Donna. Know what the fellow does? Spends his time drawing birds on a sheet of paper. <laughs> Fellow's mad, of course. Soon I shall return to London, it's... How pleased His Majesty would be if I had some souvenir of the Frenchman to show him. Uh, do you think he would give me one of his drawings? Easiest thing in the world. Has them scattered all over his cell. This night's been so confused, I, I can't even recall his appearance except that he's extremely large and appallingly ugly. 
Well, not as large as a man as myself, madam. But you shall see him at dawn, of course, when we hang him. Ah, oh, but, but that is a spectacle, not an interview. You'd like to see him now? With a woman's curiosity, my lord. Could you indulge it? Why, by all means, dear child, by all means. Your cloak, my lady. We'll call on the wretch immediately. <laughs> Open up, Zachariah. Open up. The jailer, milady. I've promised Lady St. Colum a view of the prisoner, Zachariah. Where's the other guard? Having his supper, my lord. This way, please. The Frenchman still passes the time drawing pictures. <laughs> You'll find our hangman, too, is an artist. Lady St. Colum wishes one of his sketches. A memento of a most terrifying night. Uh, this is the cell, milady. Stand up, Frenchman. Lady St. Colum wishes to have one of your drawings. Lady St. Colum is very welcome. I, uh, I'm inclined to draw birds, madam. This sketch here, this is a seagull? Yes, madam, uh, a seagull. <laughs> Looks more like a chicken to me. Well, I don't think you've given him full plumage, Frenchman. Oh, the drawing is unfinished, madam. This um, particular seagull lost one of her feathers in flight. If you know anything about the species, you will recall they seldom venture far out to sea. This one for instance, is probably only ten miles from the coast at the present time. You French call the gull La Mouette, do you not? Indeed. And this particular Mouette, I think she will put about and return. Searching for the feather she has lost. Exactly. <laughs> Who ever heard of a seagull picking up its feathers? Well, dear lady, have you made a choice of the drawings? This is a very nice-looking bird. Oh, yes, but I, I rather like the heron, but uh, well, I suppose you prefer the stork. Talk? That reminds me, my wife. I thought I'd be right there. Oh, well, I'm so sorry, my lord, but I, I just can't seem to decide. Oh, I really must get back to her. Here, unlock the door, jailer. Yes, my lord. My lady hasn't made up her mind. Remain here with her. Oh, thank you, my lord. And do remind Dr. Williams that he has a heavy responsibility. I will, madam. I certainly will. Ah, oh, scribbler. His lordship is very worried, Zachariah, but... Oh, there's really no need of it. Dr. Williams is a most capable physician. So they say, milady. Then he's well-known hereabouts? His fees are well-known, milady, but I wouldn't know him if I saw him, though. You, too, are a married man, Zachariah. Oh, indeed, milady. And you have children, naturally. <laughs> naturally, milady. Thirteen, and another one expected. We don't want to be unlucky. Zachariah, mm -hmm. you are a remarkable man. And uh, how is your wife doing? Not as good as I could wish, Frenchman. Oh, but then she must have Dr. Williams, too. But I'm a poor man, Oh, lady. but I know Dr. Williams quite well, and I've never found him unreasonable. He's a, a fat, jolly man, not at all medical-looking. One might easily mistake him for a, well, for a gentleman's body servant. Suppose I ask him to see you when he can spare a moment from Lady Godolphin's bedside. Oh, my lady, if you would be so gracious. Oh, it's nothing, and I'm sure you two will come to terms. As a matter of fact... I wouldn't mention the fee at all. Just let things take their own course. I will, be, lady, and I'm obliged to you, I'm sure. And um, now, Zachariah, I think I will take this drawing. And if you will see me out of here. Of course, madam. This way, please. The drawing of the seagull. How's the act soon with William? William, of course. Coming, me lady? I'm coming. William shall become Dr. Williams if all goes well. Donna, no, no, you can't. It's impossible. Perhaps, but we shall see. Not of another word now. As you wish. Au revoir, ladies and columns. And good luck. 
William. You're sure you understand? Quite, my lady. I'm not William. I'm Dr. Williams. Yes, I understand, but I can't say I hold much hope. And you, my lady, dressed like a boy. It's most indelicate. But... Well, if you can pass as a doctor, I can pass as a groom. Yes, my lady. Why were there no guards to stop us as we came in the estate? They're all at the house. Godolphin's heir is about to make his appearance. Ready, William? Ready as I'll ever be, my lady. Then there's the door to the jailhouse. I'll be waiting here in the shadow. Who is there? <clears throat> Dr. Williams. Come inside, sir. Come in. Lady Column tells me you, too, are about to become a father again. If all goes well, say yes. What was it of the man in the house, sir? A boy? And uh, who are you? Oh, that's Peter, sir, the other jailer. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, it was a boy, all right. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, then his lordship has his heir. Uh, what was the boy's weight, if I might ask, sir? Uh, the weight? Uh, oh, yes, yes, the weight. Oh, let me see. The um, weight was, uh, oh, about uh, three or four pounds. You call that a boy? That's no bigger than a shrimp. <laughs> I was jesting, of course. Yes, I should have said 13 or 14 pounds. <laughs> and now, uh, about your good wife. Now, the lady who was here said great confidence in you. And I in her. Yes, Zachariah, that lady is worth 20 Lady Godolphins, if I'm not mistaken. And between you and me, sir, that Frenchman down there is a better man than some who intend to hang him. Really? I am most interested to meet that man after what I've heard. Most desperate person. He's sleeping now, I suppose. Sleeping? Bless you, no, sir. He just sits there smiling, smoking, and covering sheets of paper with birds. Well, it's irregular, sir, but uh, if you've a mind to see him, come along. Thank you, Zachariah. Afterwards, I'll be pleased to prescribe for your wife. And without fee. Mm, thank you, Doctor. Indeed, sir, you're not the man we took you for. <laughs> Indeed, I am not. Uh, we'll be right back, Peter. All right. Who is it? Dr. Williams in there. What do you want with him? Uh, they said word from the house, sir. Her ladyship's been taken worse. Who are you? Uh, Dr. Williams' groom, sir. Ah, come in, then. I'll go fetch him. Shouldn't wonder. Thirteen or fourteen pounds. Dr. Williams, sir. Dr. Rich. Here. Who blew out the candles down there? Zachariah! Dr. Williams! Up with your hands, Peter. He said, up with your hands. Zachariah! I have just prescribed a mild sleeping potion for Zachariah with the butt of this pistol. Into the cell you go, Mr. Peter. And you will understand the necessity of this gag. Take his keys, Dr. Williams. I've got them. Hurry now, please. Boy, where are you? I'm here, Doctor. Donna. Donna, you all right? When you're really free, I will be. She's right. It's a long way yet to your ship. Quickly, both of you. And knock the door, William. There's the gate. We'll be on the highway in no time. That coach is coming from the courtyard. Careful. It's Dr. William's coach. Oh, well. In that event. Stop your coach, driver. Stop. I must talk to your master. Who stops my coach? What do you want? Did you give his lordship an air, sir? And uh, is he pleased? Please, my foot. It's twin girls. I want my supper. Take your hands away. Into the coach, William. What? Yes, monsieur. Oh, permit me. Dr. Williams, meet Dr. Williams. <laughs> We've decided to travel with you. Coachman? Aye, sir. How good is your eyesight? Oh, excellent, sir. Then regard what I hold in my hand. In your hand? Oh, don't shoot, sir. I'll get down. I'll get down. A man of excellent vision. You'll ride with me, groom. Up you go. 
now where, Frenchman? A pause on the road while we persuade Dr. Williams to vacate his coach and then to the beach at Coverack. You said we'd meet at sunrise, didn't you? And your answer? You'll find it there. The beach at Coverack at sunrise. Lamouette. Yes, Donna. The gull returns for her lost feather. Lamouette keeps her rendezvous. See? They've lowered a boat. They're coming in for us. And you will be free again. You will be safe. If the breeze is steady, I will see Brittany tonight and home. There's a house there in Finisterre, which means the land's end. It's on a jagged piece of rock that runs out into the Atlantic. Your house and mine. Donna, you turn for me. Donna. How, how can I tell you? Tell me what. Last night, after you left, as I sat alone in my room, my little boy awoke. He had a bad dream. He was crying. And then he came to me. His mother's now. And I knew then that a man may be free if at all costs he will. But a woman can only escape for a night and a day. Then, and the answer is... I love you. I shall always love you. Donna, Donna, you belong to me. Why can't we have our happiness? I shall be happy thinking of you until I die. The boat is beached, monsieur. Come. Donna, your little boy. Someday, your little boy may follow the sea, too. If he does, tell him of La Mouette and of a pirate who escaped. A pirate who loved the sea more than anything in the world. Until he found you. I will tell him. Goodbye, Donna. Goodbye, Frenchman. Marvelous stuff. That was Joan Fontaine and David Niven in Frenchman's Creek from the Lux Radio Theatre. Well, as I said, if the Hollywood remake of M intrigues you, then I'll be reviewing it over on the bonus Attaboy Clarence show this week for all you patron people. If you're not a patron yet, then it's very simple. Just listen on to the end of this show for instructions on how to sign up. It's so quick and simple, and you get loads of bonus stuff for doing so, including over 50 of these Attaboy Clarence shows that aren't available anywhere else. Well, that is all from me now, so until next time... Episode 99. Can you believe it? Take awfully good care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month. And in return, you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. Banana Chalk Sunday. Banana Chalk Sunday. Banana fruit ice. Dairy ice cream. Covered with chalk and hazelnuts. What a feast on a stick. Mmm, mmm. Banana chalk sundae with nuts. 
spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.